how can we spice up this podcast? <laughs> One of us should murder someone. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Literary Anything, our Marion Libraries podcast where we talk about anything literary and literary anything. I'm Jane. I'm Paula. This month we looked at Larimer. By Caroline Graham and Kylie Stevenson. We did have a very quick discussion early on, is it Larima or Larimer? <laughs> but we decided it's Larimer and we were right. Yes. So I will quickly read the blurb, shall I? Larimer, hot, barren, a speck of dust in the centre of the nothingness of outback Australia where you might find a death adder in the bar and a spider or ten in the toaster. Maybe it's stupid to write a love letter to a town that looks like this, especially when it's someone else's town. A town where there's nothing to see, nothing to buy, and the closest thing to an attraction is a weird pink panther in a gyrocopter whose head falls off intermittently. (laughs) A town steeped in ancient superstition and pockmarked with sinkholes. People go missing in the bush there, the traditional owners say. It's doubly stupid to write a love letter to a town where someone did go missing and one of the remaining residents might be a murderer. A town at the centre of one of the biggest mysteries outback Australia has ever seen. A weird, swirling whodunit about camel pies, wild donkeys and drug deals and crocodiles. A case that's had police scratching their heads for years while journalists and filmmakers and Hollywood turn up from time to time to ask what the hell happened here. And it makes no sense to fall for a place when the town is crumbling into the dust and it looks a lot like your love letter might end up being eulogy. But whatever happened in Larimer, it's strange and precious and surprisingly funny. Journalists Kylie Stevenson and Caroline Graham have spent years trying to pin it down. What happened to Paddy, Moriarty and his dog? How they disappeared? How they might take the whole town and something even bigger with them? (laughs) Kylie Stevenson... She's got 17 years' experience as a journalist. She has got work that has appeared in newspapers, magazines all over the country, including The Guardian, The Australian, Weekend Australian, and lots of other health and travel publications. Kylie was awarded the inaugural Andrew Macmillan Writer's Residency at Larimer in 2016, and a resulting piece of creative non-fiction won a 2017 Northern Territory Literary Award. It was the residency that also sparked her interest in the town, and ultimately led to the podcast Lost in Larimer, which she co-hosted with Caroline Graham, the other author of this book. Carolyn has worked as a newspaper reporter, magazine writer. She teaches journalism at Bond University on the Gold Coast and she's also facilitated the publication of major student-authored investigative packages in The Guardian, News Corp and the publication Crikey. Have you heard of Crikey? Yes. Yeah. She's also the co-author of Writing Feature Stories, How to Research and Write Articles and has almost finished her PhD. Ah. So they're very well-regarded journalists. So... Was the residency in Larimer? I think so. It seems like an odd place for there to be a writer in residence, A. Yes. And two, <laughs> as we like to say in my family. Obviously, that was before Patty went missing, so it was yes, just... 2016. Yeah. Was it... When did he go missing? 2017. Oh, the year after. <gasps> Maybe she did it. <laughs> <laughs> We've solved it. <laughs> right here on the podcast. <laughs> right. So that's interesting. Really, really coincidental. And did they do the podcast because Patty went missing or? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's called Lost in Larma. It seems like it would be mm. 
a real coincidence if they had a podcast called that before. They were like, how can we spice up this podcast? <laughs> One of us should murder someone. <laughs> That's that, disrespectful because... They've done a lot of hard work on this. <laughs> Well, and someone actually and, yeah, is missing. True. That's a good segue into okay. what I'm about to say, which is I wanted to read the disclaimer. Yes, please. Jane read the disclaimer before I did, and she sent me a screenshot of it because she just thought it was amusing. So this is what the disclaimer says. They say not to let the truth get in the way of a good story, but it very much got in the way of this one. It turns out it's impossible to fact check who killed whose pet buffalo two decades ago. So we apologize <laughs> for any errors. If you take out everything we couldn't pin down, this is really just a book about how hot the outback is that's pretty much the only thing we could prove believe us when we tell you we really tried (laughs) and I really didn't know what to make of that when I initially read it exactly because of what you just said here you and I are joking about a man who really is missing so it seems like you should kind of approach it with a little more reverence yes and yet after reading this book I understand why they would take this approach or why it ends up sounding yeah. like this. It almost It's almost like they couldn't not take this pro- approach. Right, because these are investigative journalists, as mm. you've just uh, covered. They're supposed to be able to prove what they write about. Yeah. But it turns out, like they say, it's impossible to prove pretty much anything of the story. And they really, as they say, they really yeah. do try. They go at to great lengths to seek out all sorts of people and documentation and every lead they follow it to the nth degree like traveling across the country yep following a snippet of information from somebody's random bush story and i imagine that at various points they would have wanted to give up on this because they you know researched this for years and so to me it makes sense that they would just have to go with this tone after all that work that they've put into it without being able to prove anything. Yes, and I I will say that it is amusing at quite a number of points in this book, but it it is also treated respectfully as well. That's what I was afraid of, yeah, that it wouldn't be respectful. They managed to make it respectful and also just kind of be able to laugh at the bizarreness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree completely. It's a very tricky balance and they managed to do it i will also say there are several pages at the beginning of the book of maps which we love (laughs) so there's a map of larimer in relation to most of the state of the northern territory in relation to darwin and catherine um, mataranka and tennant creek so you kind of get a sense of where in the outback this is yeah and then there's a little map of the actual town itself with some key locations highlighted yeah that they talk about and the inside and the back inside cover an aerial photograph of larimer Mm. so you can get a sense of the dryness and the distance in in scale they mention a few times in this book that Mark Twain quote it's something like a lie can get around the world before the truth puts his pants on (laughs) and It works doubly in this case because it's true about the lies in this book. They can't prove anything. People just talk and it's just impossible to prove. But it's also an analogy of the Larimer situation in that it turns out that they couldn't even prove who said that quote or what the exact words of that quote were. (laughs) So this book, I, I started reading it kind of 
mistakenly thinking that it was mostly going to be about Patty Moriarty and the mystery surrounding that. But that quickly evolved into it's clearly about the town, Larimer, as Mm. the title suggests. Mm. And it's a very deep dive into the history of the area, the history of the people of the town and the ridiculous feuds (laughs) that have happened within this town as well. They start off, as you say, about Patty and the fact that all it seems that they can say for certain is that there was a man called Patty Moriarty who lived in Larima with his dog Kelly and one day they simply vanish. Yes. And by the state of his house, nothing is missing, nothing's in disarray, there's a roast chicken in the microwave. His hat's on the bench. It doesn't seem like he was planning to go anywhere, but there's absolutely no trace of what Mm. happened. And they talk about the lure of a puzzle with no solution, which is why this has fascinated people for so long. But yes, it is a deep dive into the town, and in an effort to try and paint the whole picture of what's happened in this town you need to understand the uniqueness yes and not including patty there's 11 residents of larimer as it stood when they were writing this book the interpersonal relationships between these 11 people are so intense and extreme (laughs) yeah they're almost like a family that hate each other sometimes (laughs) yeah and everybody has differing opinions on different people at different times. It's such a strange (laughs) story that turns into this interwoven craziness. Where's the truth? Where's the... (laughs) What can you pin down? Where are the facts of anything? Because that's what they talk about. You'd think (laughs) that in a town this size, like Jane said, there are only 12 people, including Patty. If one person disappears, you know, they say in a small town, everybody knows everything. Yeah. So... You'd think it'd be fairly contained, Mm. and yet it's the opposite. Completely the opposite. Jane and I talked about how we found it really hard to keep everybody straight. Oh, yeah. I think for myself anyway, it was partially because I was mostly listening to the audiobook. Yeah. If I had been able to go back and Mm. say, who was that again? Maybe I would have a better grasp. I think the exact same thing. I did the same. I was reading and listening. Mm. I would say I listened to maybe the first half, and then I read the last half and I think it stuck in my head a bit better once I was reading interesting reading it properly I think though that we should mention that it starts with the person who lives across from Patty who is called Fran Hodgetts and Fran and Patty although they lived across from each other I think they started out being okay but eventually they absolutely did not get along each of them were trying to sabotage each other's lives and businesses really there'd be roadkill like a roo would get hit by a truck or whatever and Patty would drag the dead kangaroo and put it under a bedroom window or paint over her signs and if you're listening you must google Larimer and have a look at the tea house because when you think of Devonshire tea and a tea house a certain image comes to mind yes <laughs> yes <laughs> this is not it yeah it is absolutely the opposite of what you're thinking right now I think I even have a photo <laughs> is that the picture you yes it's like yeah. a shack <laughs> <laughs> with these sort of like handmade signs kind of stuck up all over the gate that's outside yeah, it's and the antithesis of <laughs> refined sign writing Oh, yeah. You know, ideas and rules. (laughs) 
So he would sabotage her business. Oh, He'd yeah. shout across the road and say, your, her pies are going to give you food poisoning and your pies are going to make her sick and whatever. That's right. <laughs> like they're not refrigerated. The pies is an ongoing theme, theme. throughout yeah. the whole book, <laughs> these pies. And there's like three different people in the town making pies and selling them. There's camel pies and buffalo pies and then someone accused Fran of buying the pies from Coles. That's right. (laughs) But didn't you get the feeling when Caroline and Kylie do eventually speak to Fran and Mm. they have one of these infamous pies, they don't quite come out and say it, but you get the feeling that they are expensive. Yes, like $15 or something for a pie. And they're not worth it. So it seems yeah. like there might be a kernel of truth yes. to what people are saying about Fran's pies. It's the most bizarre thing. I actually Googled Fran's tea house and there's lots of Google reviews. Oh, that's, that's a funny thing to do. And I spent way too long reading them. <laughs> oh. They're very funny. Are they? they? They vary from, you must stop at Fran's tea house because it's an experience and it's a uh, Rite of passage when you're driving through the Northern Territory and then there's others who are like, this is disgusting and it's awful and it's the worst place I've ever been and it costs us $48 for a pie and a <laughs> glass of water or whatever. <laughs> it's very amusing. But it, what is not clear, and again, we're going back to that, what you were saying about how where is the truth mm. in all of this, these feuds are so... Like, why were Fran and Patty even feuding? Yeah. How did it start and yeah. why? <laughs> and I, I feel like that about all the feuds. There's yeah. some guy that's not allowed at the pub anymore because someone accused him of stealing Mars bars. <laughs> that's right. And he said he absolutely didn't. <laughs> <laughs> He's a diabetic. He's he a diabetic. Eat so Mars bars. He wouldn't eat Mars bars. Why would he steal them? And then, you know, three other people, oh, yeah, he stole the Mars bars. He's not allowed in the pub now. <laughs> So, really? (laughs) Yes. This is definitely a town of gossip, grudges, and petty rivalries. Absolutely. (laughs) And I really liked that. Yeah, I thought that you would. I thought that you would. As I was reading the beginning of this, I thought, this has got Jane all over it. (laughs) It did get confusing at, at quite a few points. What I did really appreciate was that the authors were able to, even though these are so... I wouldn't say anybody is likable mm. out of all the people we meet in this book because there's some pretty like nasty stuff that people have done. Mm. And even Patty himself, people yes. say, oh, he's a great guy, he's a great guy. But then you hear, yeah, that he would put this dead rue under France. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, if I were an older lady living by myself mm. in such a small town... I would feel quite threatened by this man across the street constantly trying to... Yelling at you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. But the authors did a really good job of connecting the reader to the inhabitants still and to the town itself. Some of these people have done awful things, but they were able to round the people out enough that you could see the light and the dark within each person and connect with them still. And they were very impartial. Some of the stories that you hear people spin in the book just think what were their faces like when they were being told this story a good way to (laughs) introduce some of these zany stories is just to read some of the chapter titles they uh, kind of give you a glimpse as to how crazy some of these small town stories were so so things like a pink pub a blind crock and an empty bar stool 
a half-liquefied chicken, a pop band attacked by termites and the word murder, a dead donkey, 50 shades of biscuit and the problem with pies, a suspicious croc, a drained septic tank, and a landscape full of secrets. I mean, pretty much mm. every single one of them has some fantastical story yeah. in it yeah. that is just like, wow. I mean, Larimer is in the middle of nowhere. The distances and the remoteness is really unfathomable to me. I've not been to the proper, proper outback before. But it just sounds so extreme and hot and hot. dry. I was going to say, and the heat. <laughs> and the I heat. feel like the heat contributes to this story. I wonder if the type of person that would choose to live in a place like Larimer, I wonder if it attracts a certain type of person that therefore Contributes creates to these its kind own. of crazy yeah. stories. Yeah, the journalists try and go into Patty's background. They can't even figure out exactly where he's from or yeah. why he got there, what year he got there, what ship he came from Ireland on. Yeah. They couldn't even prove There's those. rumours com- that he's got seven kids That's with an right. Aboriginal woman. All sorts of that you you think would be provable, yeah. And they try really hard. It's not for not trying that yeah. they can't. These people are super off the grid, yeah, in a lot of ways. And so, yeah, I, I agree with you. It seems like Patty was maybe trying to get away from mm. something, or yeah, yeah, go off the grid, as you say. I bet that does contribute to the kinds of personalities and personality clashes. That's right. That would choose town. to be there to begin with. Mm. I have some questions. Something that I kept thinking <laughs> kept thinking was how <laughs> how are these people surviving financially? <laughs> like what are they doing? I guess this is why Fran has to <laughs> buy pies from Coles but, and charge fifteen bucks for each but one. But like Larimer the Sturt Highway drive is bang through the middle of Larimer. So that's the highway, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, that you go on to get to Catherine and Darwin. It looked like yes? it from the map. I think so. Yeah. So presumably there's quite a bit of traffic. So are they getting enough people to stop at the pub and there's a zoo there? <laughs> yeah, that's the other weird that's thing. That's just beyond. I mean, I guess hence the intense, them? the intense competition, mm. right? Yeah, that's true. Mm. That's true. Where are they getting their money? Everybody's at the pub every single night mm. drinking tons and tons of alcohol. <laughs> Have they all got a bar tab that's a billion dollars each? <laughs> Where are they getting their money? Yeah. (laughs) And some of them are retired, I guess. So mm. I don't know. That just – I can't even comprehend how it works logistically Yeah, to live there. Yes. (laughs) After Fran, they go into all the other characters in the town and then, as Jane said, like travel far and wide trying to pick everything apart without really much success. And I feel like at that point of the book, it sort of lost me a bit. I mean, I appreciate what they were trying to do, Mm. but I I just felt the kernels of information that they were trying to pursue were just so They were so loose. They were like wisps of smoke almost. Yeah. They end up traveling to, what was that poet, that bush poet guy? That's right. They end up trying to travel up to the Gulf country, Right up the top but across he, Queensland to see all these people just on, yeah, the tiniest little grain of sand of information. But wasn't that Bush poet, he was the one that insisted that Paddy was still alive, yes, right? Yes. And he and just seemed just, so sure of himself yeah. that they were like, oh, well, we got to check this out. And then, and then, then he then just was, ghosted them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that I agree. I think once they started travelling all over the country – like hundreds and thousands of kilometres 
trekking around. Mm. I was like, really? Maybe they were in too deep at this point and they had to get answers to as much stuff as they could. And I don't think it's their fault that it just wasn't there. Mm. What do you think happened to Paddy? Who killed him? Well... What I was going to say was that at the end of this book, I mean, it's not really a spoiler. Mm. It remains unsolved because if you've seen the news, you know that on the 6th of April, the uh, Northern Territory coroner, there was an article saying that he was reopening the um, coronial inquest to try and figure out what happened to Patty. Then on the 7th of April, it came out that the police secretly recorded Fran's gardener, Owen, yeah. So obviously they had suspicions about Owen. And the reason is because obviously we've talked about the feud between Fran and uh, Patty. And then there were rumors around the town that Fran was trying to pay somebody to off Patty. And then Patty and Owen had words because Patty's dog uh, apparently went over towards Fran's place and Owen yelled at him, you better keep your effing dogs away. And yeah. they had words. So for that reason, apparently they secretly recorded Owen and then (laughs) another article came out that they had Owen on these recordings, I guess, talking to himself. I was trying to imagine because he's sort of ranting. Even the words are weird. Yeah, it was super weird. I killerated, killerated old Patty. And I'm trying to picture, like, I guess he's drunk, just wandering around his house by himself, talking to himself about. I don't know. It seems like a real Scooby-Doo moment that he would be by himself going, and I would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for you darn kids. (laughs) That they have these recordings of him saying i that he yeah what did they did they say he hit him in the head with the claw of a hammer and yes and why is there no blood anywhere yeah there's just nothing so it came out that the coroner says he thinks that the neighbor owen is something to do with it yeah but he can't really say that he's Mm. handed it over to the police and the prosecution it looks bad for owen but again like you say there's nothing. And in a town of that many people, you think somebody would have seen something. But or heard something. Mm. Or, I know. And they keep talking about the fact that if it were just Patty was gone, that'd be one thing. But the yes. fact that his beloved dog, Kelly, is also just vanished. Disappeared as well. Makes it even stranger. It's Yeah, it is a strange story. It is a mystery. The other thing I wanted to mention is the cover. Have you ever... <laughs> seen anything like it i think did we talk about it (laughs) last month it is just a real dog's breakfast it's exactly perfect for the book it is (laughs) when jane picked it we looked at what the story was about and we thought oh yeah that'll that'll be interesting and then we got the books and we were like my goodness what i know (laughs) it's not pretty it's ugly. Yeah, it's it's orange, and then there are <laughs> bright pink flowers that border the whole thing, and it's like a cartoon of Patty with his dog and the Larima Hotel. It's all very... I like it. <laughs> I, <laughs> you like I, it now? I don't like it, but I like <laughs> that that's what the cover looks like because yeah. it's... Fitting. It's very fitting for the book. The little author's note or the disclaimer, it sets the tone for the book. So it gives you an idea that you can have a laugh while you read this. This is a quirky, you, yes, bizarre book. the quirkiest true crime book mm. you've ever read. It's not your typical. It's definitely not your typical true crime tone or yeah, narrative even. That's right. I wouldn't call it a love letter to Larimer, but the authors, they're direct and they're to the point with the hard truths of... Living in the outback, it is hard. You could sense that the authors themselves became 
connected to the town and the people in a strange way. It's almost like they couldn't give it up. Yeah, I mean, they spent so long there that they even got to know somebody who was dying of, can- was it cancer? Yeah. Yeah, and, and eventually did um, die and attended his funeral. So yeah, they were really interwoven with this community. The journalists who wrote the book read the yes. audiobook and they go back and forth reading it. And then they also put in a little bit of music um, mm. interludes in, which makes it kind of have a podcasty feel, which it makes really, sense. Yeah, it really did. did the podcast. I guess that's worth mentioning because I don't know if you listen to Shit Town, the podcast. Yes. It reminded me very much of that, just this really insular little town of characters that have got, you know, gossip and feud and difficulties. It very much had that vibe. So if you're into that sort of podcast, this would be a good book for you. What else have you read, Jane? Well, I am the last person alive to have read Dictionary of Lost Words. Oh, (laughs) finally. Finally. Pip Williams' book, Adelaide Author. This was her... Is this her debut novel? She wrote one she wrote uh, non-fiction novel before One Italian right. Summer. This is her debut fiction, fiction. then, yeah. which I've read One Italian Summer as well, which I loved. Mm. The story of Esme, who is motherless, she lives with her father. Her father is involved in the writing of the Oxford English Dictionary with uh, a whole group of men. And as she grows, she becomes more and more involved in the writing of the dictionary and starts to realise that there's certain types of words that are missing from the dictionary, mostly women's words, words that are probably used by, I don't know how you'd describe, more working class types of people that Mm. aren't in the upper echelons of society. And she ends up writing a dictionary of lost words, as the title suggests. Pip did a lot of work to research this book. She actually went to Oxford and huge amounts of research. If you want to hear Pip talk more about that, we had her when this book debuted. It was during lockdown, very or, early days. Yes. It's one of our, I think it was our first library through the lens yeah. session. So that's available on the podcast if you're interested. Yes, and if you want to watch it, it's on the YouTube channel. That's right. I really enjoyed this. I found the first part to be a little slow going, and I think that's because I was listening to it as an audio book. And it's also when she's young, and you know how I feel about audio books when the narrate like the character is young Mm. and it's an adult doing a child's voice yeah it's hard to get that right (laughs) it's just it's hard to get that not annoying cringy yeah yeah. and then I switched to reading the actual book which was way better it's why it won so many awards Mm. it won I can't even remember them it was a ABA book of the year booksellers choice of the year I think it was a goodreads book of the year it's a really lovely historical fiction novel really solid and it's so clearly well researched you are not going to be surprised about this at all but i read another true crime sad (laughs) sad trauma trigger warning book (laughs) absolutely all of that i read listened to actually this house of grief by helen garner (laughs) which is about the infamous case of robert farquharson who claimed to have a coughing fit and blacked out and drove his car into a dam off the princess highway past geelong and he managed to escape, but his three boys drowned. Yeah, this is probably predictably really grueling and at times harrowing read. It's also extremely tedious in places, and I don't think I can fault Helen Garner for that because the details of the court case got to be quite tedious at times, and so she was reporting on that. I've never read Helen Garner before. Have you read her? No, I've borrowed and returned a couple of her books multiple times 
purely because I didn't get time to read them, but right. she's definitely on my list. Yeah, Lee Sales and Annabelle Crabb, who you know I love, talk mm. about her quite frequently as being just like a must, must read. So maybe this shouldn't have been my first Helen Garner. I tried reading Monkey Grip earlier, mm. and similar to you, I just ran out of time with it. But yeah, this was just an infuriating look at a weak and selfish man. It was mm. so, yeah, it's I very feel tragic. like this was another one that would just make me angry. Yeah. Another traumatizing <laughs> month for you. Yep. <laughs> What else is new? I've got a couple of books coming out in May okay. that I thought I'd mention. Another one that's set in the outback. This is called Dirt Town by Haley Scrivener. It is the story of a sweltering day in a small country town where 12-year-old Esther Bianchi dis- disappears on her way home from school. And it's about how the town deals with that and the ramifications of rumor and speculation and sounds all that similar sort of to stuff. what we it just d- read it does a little bit <laughs> that's a pan mac book that is a debut novel as well uh and oh, so that's fiction though that's fiction right. yes so i'm seeing this one posted around the place as well so mm-hmm. this might be one that gets picked up it might be a bit of a book discussion group kind of a, a vibe to it fans of lucinda riley will be pleased she has a new book coming out called the murders at fleet house mm-hmm. very different to her the seven sisters series oh right This is about another mystery or crime. A sudden death of a pupil at Fleet Street House at St Stephen's, a small private boarding school in deepest Norfolk. It's a shocking event that the headmaster is very keen to call a tragic accident. So another one of those different motivations from characters. There's a female detective that tries to solve the the murder. So I don't know. I've only read a couple of her Seven Sisters books. So I don't know if this is typical of her to write crime as well. But I'm confused. Didn't she die? Am I thinking of the <gasps> yes, wrong person? Yes, she did. How is, how is she? Is this like a VC Andrews situation? You're right. She did. Yeah, because in case you didn't know, uh, the Seven Sisters series is yes. hugely popular. And then... The, the, oh my god! Right, she was in the middle of writing the last one, right? Yes. And then she died. So maybe what she had this, this. Maybe it was in the pipeline. Maybe she was working on it before. I'm looking it up. I forgot completely that she passed away. Well, that's fair enough. If you see a new book coming out by her, yeah. you wouldn't necessarily. It's coming out on May thirty-one. Oh, we okay. will investigate. We will and report back. Report back next month. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or put notes in the show oh notes my or gosh. something. We'll, yes. we'll, we'll find out what happened and whether it's a VC Andrews <laughs> yeah. situation with her. This is a, another Australian book. This is called Losing Face by George Haddad. Stunning, thought-provoking novel about facing up to your family and your future. Joey is young and different. He's drifting around Western Sydney, unaware that his passivity is leading him astray. And then one day he's involved in a violent crime, one that threatens to upend his life entirely. Elaine, his grandmother, is a proud Lebanese woman with problems of her own. When Joey is arrested, she is desperate to save face and hold herself together. In her family, history repeats itself. Vices come and go, and uncovering long-buried secrets isn't always cathartic. This gripping and hard-hitting novel reveals the richness and complexity of contemporary Australian life and tests the idea that facing consequences will make us better people. I thought that sounded really gritty and mm. interesting. Yeah. That's out on May the 3rd. And I'll show you the cover. It makes me think it's the kind of book that in the future it might be on year 12 reading lists. Uh. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. That sort of sparse. But yeah, it looks kind of maybe literary and. Yeah, and looks like a bit sort a of message. ethnicity and mm. culture and mm. Australianness and how that intermingles. I can see many a year 12. <laughs> 
essay written about that book. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you read the book We Were Liars by mm. E. Lockhart? No, but that's a TikTok. It's yes. all over TikTok, that book. Yes. Well, there's a second book out. It's a prequel now to We Were Liars and it takes the readers back to the story of another summer, another generation and the secrets that haunt this family. Windswept private island off the coast of Massachusetts, hungry ocean, churning with secrets and sorrow, a fiery addicted heiress, an irresistible and unpredictable boy, a summer of unforgivable betrayal and terrible mistakes. So this is about the Sinclair family who were featured in We Were Liars and so this is the prequel to them. So they've called this We Were Liars hashtag zero. Oh. So I assume there's going to be more of them. I don't know anything about either of them of the books so I think, I think my daughter read that we yeah were liars i'll have to ask her yeah so yeah. that's out on may 3rd as well so i thought people might be interested in that if they saw any of the hype about we were liars mm. so that's it i do not really have much other news because i've been <laughs> on annual leave i feel like i said that last time i think we've said that the last leave. three times <laughs> had a bit of leave lately but i thought in in place of that we could just talk about bridgerton sure <laughs> i binge watched episode three through is there nine episodes eight i don't even know all the rest of them yesterday. Right. So you'd watch the first couple and then... Yes. Right. And then I dedicated my time and spent six hours watching. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sounds <yesterday>. awesome. <laughs> Have you watched it? No, I haven't. Ah. I haven't. I haven't read this book, mm. so I don't know how close to the book it sits, but I liked it. Right. In the same way that I liked the first one. It was, Really? You know, it's pretty, it's slightly amusing, it's romantic... There's tension. Right. There's a lot less raunchiness in this season, though. A lot less, which might mean you don't watch it now. I was disappointed (laughs) to hear that. What's the fun in that? The Duke (laughs) from the first season also does not appear at all, which we already knew. Yes, we did know that, but people were very disappointed. People were disappointed, but Anthony Bridgerton, he's pretty dishy, so... (laughs) There are still reasons to watch. (laughs) Very escapist. The cast seem like they're having fun. I follow them on TikTok and they make some fun TikToks. (laughs) Of course you do. (laughs) So shall we announce our book for June? Yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) We are reading The Space Between the Stars by Indira Naidu. Now, this is nonfiction. A lot of you probably know that Indira Naidu is a journalist, She's on the ABC. She does. She's written some cookbooks. Yep. Yeah. She's really into gardening. Yeah. But this book is going to be sad. We just got to say that right up. Sadly, Indira lost her sister uh, during the 2020 lockdowns in Melbourne. Her sister took her own life. So I'll just read a bit uh, about that on the back of the book. For as long as I can remember, there has always been just the three of us, three sisters, only a year between each, inseparable, until my youngest sister walked out into her suburban backyard and took her life. Is it possible to ever heal a tear in your universe? After her younger sister died suddenly, broadcaster Indira Naidu's world was shattered. Turning to her urban landscape for solace, Indira found herself drawn to a fig tree overlooking Sydney Harbour. A connection began to build between the two one with a fractured heart, the other with a centurion offering quiet companionship while asking nothing in return. 
As Indira grappled with her heartbreak, an unnoticed universe of infinite beauty revealed itself. With the help of a posse of urban guides, she began to explore how nature, whatever bits of nature are within reach, can heal us during life's darker chapters, whether nursing a broken heart or an anxious mind. The Space Between the Stars is a heart-rending, at times funny, and uplifting tribute to love and the reassuring cycle of nature that sustains and nourishes us all. Do you want to talk about what this book looks like? It's a gorgeous-looking book. It's I put it in the same category as Phosphorescence, phosphorescence and uh, Now We Make the World. No, what is it? Now We Make the Beast Beautiful, Sarah Wilson's book. I don't know that one. It's very similar. It's got that beautiful, almost fabric-y texture, and it's, it's a lovely-looking book. Mm, so. Yeah. I'm very much looking forward to reading this and talking about it. There's also some other news, which Paula already knows, but next month will be my last stint on the podcast. Yes. So I'm going to be trying very hard not to cry through the whole There's been no drama. We're not angry with each other. Oh, definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I am a bit angry, actually. (laughs) I am moving libraries. I have a new job, so... This is a Marion Library Service podcast, so it needs Marion Library Service people. So you might be be introduced to somebody new in July. We're not sure yet, but keep listening and you'll find out along with us. (laughs) And yeah, join us for our very last Paula and Jane version of Literary Anything next month. Of course, you follow them on TikTok. <laughs> Tick, oh, t- I just called it TikTok. Cut that oh, all no, out. No. Shut up, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Was it when did he go missing? Was it, mm, we should know that immediately. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, you've got the squeaky one. Oh, I do too. And oh, it's all floppy as well. <laughs> <laughs> There's your outtake. <laughs> <laughs>